Hello? Chad? Hello? Yes, I can hear you now. Sorry, my microphone shut off. Hello? I think your microphone's off. Hello? Uh, okay. Oh my gosh, why won't it let me send a message? Oh, hello, are you there? Oh, can you hear me now? I figured out how to open it up without using Instagram. Oh, okay. I'm so sorry. I was trying to figure out how to send you a darn text and it was not working. TBIs often will cause anxiety and depression that perhaps maybe you weren't predisposed. Oh my gosh. Hold on a second. When Chad was 17 years old, he was involved in a very serious accident that left him with a traumatic brain injury. Afterward, he noticed an increase in depression and anxiety. Research shows that those with TBIs are at significantly greater risk for depression. He joined the Navy when he was in his early 20s, and many of the experiences he had were also traumatic. On this episode of Mental Illness in Me, he talks about those experiences and how mental illness has affected his life. My name is Katie Houston Davies, and this is Mental Illness and Me. So I'm about to turn 33 in two days, actually. I'm originally from a small town in southern Utah called Fillmore that's super tiny, and you either stopped and got gas or got a speeding ticket going through there if you ever drove I-15. I'm into music, movies, cars, guitars, anything fast, loud. I've been in the Navy for almost 11 years now. I work as a mechanic, and right now I'm with a special boat team. I've worked with the the spec war side of the Navy for most of my career so far. And that's that's pretty much me in a basket. That's awesome. So you're in the Navy. How long have you, have you done that ever since you graduated high school? No. When I graduated high school, I moved to St. George, Utah and framed houses, which I got on a crew that we built um, luxury custom homes. And after the first house that I got done building, we found out that it was actually Tim McGraw's house. And Whoa. we built one that was for Robin Williams. And then we did one of the big banks in St. George. And then I quit that. Went and worked at a dirt bike dealership in Cedar City, Utah. Did that for a little while. Along with, like, I grew up on a farm, doing that every summer, farming with my dad. And when I was 22, I decided to join the Navy. That's great. So you've been 11 years now in the Navy. Yes, coming up on 11. Yeah, so I wanted to ask how long you have struggled with mental illness. Uh, so I've never been clinically diagnosed. I've never really seen or even sought medical, uh, diagnosis or attention for it. Cause it's just something that I figured went along with the job. But when I was 17, I think it was, I was involved in a really horrendous dirt bike wreck. Uh, it was the day before my high school graduation, a buddy of mine, and me were racing on the local track and I hit a small jump at about 40 miles an hour and basically head planted into the berm. It split my helmet about three to four inches across. I was unconscious for 
I couldn't even tell you how long. I don't remember the month of the end of May, most of June, and part of July of 2006. I have no recollection of. Wow. Just what I get told. And I think part of it came from that. And after that came um, depression, which goes along with traumatic brain injuries, depression, anxiety. Um, like I, I don't like being in crowds of strange people. It makes me really nervous. I mean, I can, I can handle it. I can do it. I just, I'm really uncomfortable. And that was, you know, kind of one of the funny things about the whole coronavirus is when nobody was going out. Like I loved going shopping. I loved going to the store. Nobody was there. It was great. TBIs can sometimes cause anxiety or depression or mental illnesses that perhaps you weren't predisposed to have. Is that true? Yes, that's very true. And there's been a lot of studies um, done with, um, it's mostly like race car drivers or, you know, action sports guys, like the dirt bike riders, the snow, snowboarders, snowmobilers. Uh, after so many concussions, there's a part of your brain that goes numb. And I was actually talking to a friend of mine this morning who has kind of the, he's been through a lot of the same stuff with the concussions. And we were trying to figure out how many concussions between the two of us we've had. And we're like, I don't know, like 27 or something. We couldn't even figure it out. Oh my God. But there was, I don't know if you remember in the news a couple of years ago, there was a guy by the name of Dave Mira but he was a professional BMX rider and he just up and committed suicide one day. And there's a part of the brain that gets affected by um, TBIs that they really can't tell and until it's post-mortem. And he had the, the, I guess the block of the part of his brain that ruled out reasoning. So that's interesting to me that even post a very traumatic accident like that. And with the, anxiety and depression that you were still able to function in the Navy. And did they do a screening process and ask you about your mental health or your past injuries and things like that? Yeah, they do. So when you go to enlist in the military there, it's a horrendous process. There's medical examinations, there's mental evaluations, there's all this stuff. And they dig deep into it because they basically they don't want crazy people in the military, which pretty much anybody in the military is crazy, but um, I kind of skated around it and played it off as it wasn't as bad as it, it actually probably should have been. Right. So tell me, in what ways has your mental illness most impacted your life? We talked about anxiety. We talked about depression. You mentioned prior to this interview, talking to me, some PTSD. What are in what ways do those things affect your life the most? Uh, I don't sleep a lot. Like I usually go to bed about one or two o'clock and I'll be up at four thirty or five. I just, I, I can't sleep. Um, some nights when I do get sleeps, I'll wake up screaming for no apparent reason, which used to terrify my roommates when I had roommates. Because it would be, you know, three o'clock in the morning and I would be screaming bloody murder for no reason. You've heard of Travis Pastrana, the motocross guy? No, I don't think so. Tell me about him. He's super famous. He has the same thing where basically he walks through every day without, he's not afraid of anything. He does the most insane 
things on dirt bikes, but at night he has night tremors. So he walks through the day completely fine, but at night the demons come out. So in his sleep, that's when he faces the fear. And then it allows him during the daytime, I guess, to just be sort of fearless. There's a documentary that you would probably like based on what you're doing with the mental health stuff. It's called 199 Lives. Mm-hmm. And it's based on, it's his entire life story and like what came of it. It's very interesting. I I loved it. I love stuff like that because, you know, I kind of feel like I'm in the same boat, I guess. It sounds to me, because you said you had 27 concussions between you and your friend, that um, you have probably been pretty daring and adventurous your whole life. Yeah, I I mean, I grew up on, well, we, so my family has a farm. We didn't live on the farm, but, you know, it was horses as a little kid, and then it turned to four-wheelers, which turned to dirt bikes, which turned to racing, and not to mention football, wrestling, you know, all those other sports that are very high contact, I was very into. And I actually got asked when I was on my last appointment, um, one of our medical guys, our corpsman, he goes, how old are you? And I had to stop and think. And I'm like, well, I'm 20, 27, maybe 28. And he goes, you don't know how old you are? I'm like, hold on, I got to think. He goes, how many concussions have you had? I'm like, enough that my face goes numb randomly. There's no way that you're mental health is not going to be affected by that when your brain has been um, traumatically injured that many times. Yeah, that's a really, that's a really interesting area of study, I can imagine. So you mentioned no sleep. That's one thing. What are some of the other ways that the mental illness has impacted your life? Surprisingly, I don't really talk a lot, which is weird for me, like doing this with you, like, I actually got told at my last evaluation debrief, they're like, you don't talk enough. You're very quiet. Like my lieutenant didn't even know I worked for him for six months because I was just there and I wouldn't really say anything. I I keep to myself. I do my own thing. It's been, it's been hell on relationships because it's, I think it goes along more with that, with the communication type side of it that like I'll, sit there and not say anything and then therefore my you know girlfriend or whatever at the time would be like are you okay and i'm like yeah i'm fine it's like well why are you not talking to me like i have nothing to say like what, what do, you, do you want me to just talk about nonsense so that's that's another way that it's been difficult and what do you think your hesitation is to talk to people at work or to those that you're in a relationship with? Um, mostly, I think it's just that it it seems like it's you're just talking to talk. Like, there's, there's no real point behind it. Like, I don't know if it's something to do with my mental situation or it might just be me, but, like, I don't want to just stand there and talk about nonsense. Like, if there's stuff to do, let's go do it, and we'll talk about it while we do it, but we're not going to just stand around and talk about why the sky is blue. So tell me a little bit more about the PTSD. I don't really like to consider it PTSD, but I got deployed to South Africa in 2015 and we were at a very remote location and things were like for the first four or five months, everything was just 
it was great. I was like, this is the best vacation ever. Like, we just hang out. I fix four-wheelers. We go ride. We go hunt. You know, we get to meet some of the, the locals. And then right when I was getting ready to leave, there was a group that attacked a camp that was not far from us. They walked in, slaughtered everybody, and left the video camera to be picked up and found. And, like, watching that was just, like, it it blew my mind that that happened, you know, within earshot. Like, we heard it going on, and there was nothing we could do about it. There was that, and then as soon as we left, there was another attack that one of my uh, co-workers was killed. Uh, we lost two guys there that I knew personally, and then just over the years, like, I've been to more funerals than I care to count. Right. And how has that affected you emotionally? Um, they're not fun. Yeah. Um, I actually just recently went to um, the exhibit at Pearl Harbor. I don't know if you've ever been to the Pearl Harbor exhibit. No, I haven't. It's on my list. Yeah. And we went out to the USS Arizona where, you know, there were 900 something men that all of a sudden their ship was going under and all these colleagues that they had the day before been going out with and hanging, you know, hanging out with having a good time for those that just happened to not be on the ship that day. They, all of their comrades and their colleagues died. And I've heard a lot that there are um, survivor's guilt where you feel like, well, why them and not me? So my uh, one of my really close friends was um, one of the mechanics for the group of, it was, uh, what was their chopper called? Extortion 17 happened in 2016. They shot down. It was the largest loss of special forces in the history. Something like 30, 31 people were killed, 28 of them were SEALs. And my buddy was the mechanic, so he had to go identify these, you know, charred, burned up bodies. And when he still is not the same, like, like we'll go out and, you know, go to a bar or something. And after a little while, he'll get into it. And then you can see it's like a flip of a switch. And he's just like, I should have been with him. I'm like, no, you shouldn't have. Like, you were the mechanic. That was not your job to go with him. Wow. So tell me some of the other uh, feelings that you've had as you've battled with these different types of mental illnesses like anxiety and depression. Um, How has that affected you? Um, So like with at work or something, if somebody goes, hey, we need to talk like I immediately think I did something wrong, which I normally don't do anything wrong outside of whatever else does wrong. Uh, it feels like walking right. on eggshells a lot, just trying to, you know, kind of fly under the radar, not, you know, keep out of confrontations way. Uh, if my phone rings and like I'm not at my, well, I just recently just left my desk job, but if my phone rings and I don't answer the call, like I'll, it will bother me until I can call them back and I'll, I'll keep calling and keep calling and keep calling until I get a hold of them and I go, oh, I was just seeing where so-and-so was it's nothing important but like that the anxiety and the stress of stuff like that like it's almost a perfectionist type of thing 
Right. And so it's like all that anxiety is for nothing. Anxiety is not rational and you end up wasting a lot of energy and it sort of depletes you. I absolutely get that. I know you said you haven't sought any formal treatment for any of these things, but what has helped you the most as you have tried to continue leading a productive and happy life, even with these demons that you face? Music. I'm always looking for new kinds of music. I talked to one of my first chiefs in the, when I was first joined the Navy. He was my very first chief. Him and I, we send you know songs back and forth and joke back and forth. Music, um, reading. I started reading before I go to bed, and usually I'll get up in the morning and read for, you know, 30, 45 minutes in the morning just to, you know, relax my head, which I got to be careful with because sometimes I'll forget and get sucked into a book and be like, oh, I got to go to work like 20 minutes ago. So what's your favorite genre? Autobiographies or um, people's stories. Like, I, I don't really get into the like witches and dragons and stuff like those kind of books. Uh, the one that I was just recently, well, I've been reading for a while. I need to finish it is actually a story about the, the Wright brothers from Milford, Utah, the, the rodeo cowboys. Oh. It's called the last cowboy. It's really good. And it's, it makes me feel good. Cause it's like, they talk about these places in Southern Utah. And I'm like, I know where that is. I know. Yeah. I know that name. That's cool. Yeah. So nonfiction is yes. definitely more your thing. So what made you decide to share your experiences publicly? Well, actually, it had a lot to do with Tracy when she was like, hey, you should look into this. And then I started following your page. I listened to a bunch of the podcasts. I talked to a few of my friends that um, have similar stuff. And I actually was on the phone with, I'm not going to mention his name, but one of my more celebrity-ish friend from California, I called him and asked him what he thought, and he was like, absolutely, dude, if you can help somebody, do it. What do you wish others knew about mental illness or understood better? Uh, that, you know, 90, in my opinion, 98% of people have something. We all have issues, we all have problems, and it's not, you know, to be looked down on as a thing like if some people you know seek help and they want the pharmaceutical treatment i personally want nothing to do with that but it, it's okay it's okay to talk to people it's okay to you know reach out call your friends and just talk about it right that's a really good point that it there shouldn't be um it shouldn't be a taboo subject to be able to talk about with the people that you care about because that's one of the best ways to sort of sort through those feelings. So there's a podcast with, which this actually helped me a lot. Uh, there was a podcast with a guy named Dakota Meyer, who is a Medal of Honor recipient. He did a podcast with Joe Rogan, and he brought up the whole, um, you know, issue with mental illness in the military. And there is a big thing because if you go and seek help and do that there's a good chance that you're gonna lose your position your you know your job your whatever and they're gonna put you like doing sweeping the floor or something instead of actually going and doing your job and that's a big thing that um you know the 
the big military needs to look at that just because these guys go and say, Hey, I'm having an issue. Like don't take away what they've uh, worked so hard to get. Ooh, that is such a good point. Like don't dismiss their capabilities because they're being vulnerable and sharing and, and seeking help for what it is that they need. That's, Oh, that's such a good point because I think you're right. Some people probably get dismissed too quickly without giving them an, an opportunity to learn and grow from it and to maybe be even a better member of the military than they were before. They'll be better leaders. They'll be better, you know, teammates. They'll be way better off if you just, you know, let them keep doing their job and give them a little bit of the guidance. And like I had to go meet with our um, command psychologist the other day. I was taking a new guy to check in uh-huh. and that whole room and the way that most psychologists talks makes me super uncomfortable. It's unfortunate because I think there's probably, there are probably people out there that purposely do not seek help because they have a fear of losing their job. Do you think that that's true? Not just in the military, but in other oh, absolutely. places. Like if, you know, if you're a, a truck driver and you go, Oh, you know, I have anxiety. Then your company is going to be like, well, we have anxious people, you know, driving 85,000 pounds over the road when the guy just doesn't like being right. in Sam's club with 35,000 people or whatever it is, you know, that's, that's a really good point that you bring up. And I think that, like you said, just based on the day and age we live in, I mean, even the COVID pandemic, I think has increased anxiety in people that perhaps had never experienced it before. Um, we live in a world that is full of mental health challenges because of social media, because of circumstances that are political and, and just a lot of division. You know, I don't know what your personal thoughts on the coronavirus and all that stuff is, but it's definitely taken a toll on the mental health of almost everybody. Yes, it cannot be denied that there are going to be lasting effects on mental health from this past year um, that some people may never recover from, or it may take a long time. Like just thinking about now that things are starting to open up again, there's still a lot of fear. People are still going to hesitate to embrace one another, to shake hands, to even be in, in spaces with one another. Is there anything else that you would like to add just as you've been thinking about this over the past couple of weeks since we talked, anything that you would hope to share with those who are listening? Uh, the only thing I can think of is, you know, don't be afraid to, you know, talk to somebody, whether it's if you go seek medical attention or psychological attention or, you know, call a friend or, you know, even, even you know, call the friend you haven't talked to in six months. I had one of my close friends this morning. He called me out of nowhere and I haven't talked to him in probably about two months and we had a good long talk and it was like we picked up like we were still in high school and that helps a lot. I agree. And I, I just want to say, I appreciate what you said earlier that, that there are some people that need to seek medical attention. And you said, now that's not the route for me, but if you need to do that, 
you shouldn't be afraid to do that. And a lot of times medication can really help people. And then there's some people that it doesn't work for. And it it's just, it's a personal thing. So as long as we're always open to learning new things, trying new things, I think that that is when we can be the most successful. One more thing, sorry. No, Another please. thing that helps me a lot is keeping my hands busy. You know, whether it's, you know, playing guitar, working on cars, even just driving around. Because from a young age, um, my dad always told me that the devil dreams of an idle force. <laughs> and so like, <laughs> if you're just standing around doing nothing, like, then something not good is going to happen. 